0: you have just slotted in into uh, this live webcast. I want to welcome you. Uh, The reason we have Dynamic Web Church is simply because there are people that are in areas that don't have a local grace-based fellowship and that you want just good quality work and fellowship with people that are like-minded where you can uh, receive counsel, receive advice from the perspective of grace and grace only so um, you know this is this is the vision of dynamic web church to serve you with that now we're going to go right into the message for today Uh, I'm reminded of something before we get into the message if you are touched by dynamic web church or by uh, just by the message of grace it doesn't even have to be through my ministry or anything like that and you would like to give a testimony please just make a voice recording of your testimony Less than four minutes uh, long, and just send it to info at dynamicministries.com. Just take your phone, make a voice recording, send it to info at dynamicministries.com, and we will give a testimony time during our webcast wherein you can just share what the Lord has meant for you. And that way, we can also just have more of a family feel concerning the web church. We would also like to, we also welcome some ideas. If you've got some ideas that can just make the web church, uh, just give it more of a family feel, please do so um, by sending it to info at Right, today's message is going to be about um, <clears throat> correction, you know, compassionate correction in, um, you know, by the Lord or in the body of Christ. You know, so many times we've had correction, but the correction was, um, you, you know, when we even hear the word correction, it is, we think of pain, we think of Disqualification, we think of condemnation, we think of guilt. And how does God correct us? You know, in the New Testament, what is New Testament correction? Uh, How does God go about uh, correcting people? We must realize that there is a danger in correcting people. Uh, Not that I say we should not correct people, but there is a danger in correcting people. I want us to go and have a look at that, um, and that is going to be in. Uh, Hebrews twelve verse five, and let us just read it. Uh, let me just get the King James version here. Uh, it says, "And you have forgotten the ex- um, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are." Rebuke, um, rebuked of him. So here he says, he says, as you guys have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. So um, you know when exhortation comes our way and correction comes our way, it's clear that they have forgotten that the exhortation is as unto children. And what happened was uh, a rejection is formed was formed in the hearts of these people. You know when it came to uh, being corrected and they didn't feel that they were still the children of God they didn't feel the love of God they 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 felt the pain of correction and then because they felt the pain of correction they felt I'm not a child of God anymore and I'm not loved by God he says for whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives or whom he welcomes or, or who he says, you qualify, you are my child, I, I receive you as my child. So we, um, we can go and, and have a look at that verse. And in that verse, we must always see, and in correction, you know, when we r- receive correction, we must realize that um, in cor- inside correction, there is a danger that People can actually go back to legalism and go back to the law, you know, and that is not what we want. We don't want legalism, we don't want law when it comes to correction. So, when you correct it, we don't want people to fall back under the law, and it is so easily happened. I just want to fix something here on the camera. This thing is just not making connection there, and this I'm so scared it switches off. Um, okay, uh, when we get correction we don't want to go back under the law and not stand in sonship anymore the bible says a child is under tutors and governors but a son is not under tutors and governors Uh, you know so we are not under that tutor and governor thing anymore we are under sonship and when we receive correction from God we need to know that we remain sons and we need to feel in the depth of our heart that we are still sons we are still co-owners with uh, with God um, of holiness of righteousness of the kingdom and that is the foundation from where all correction should take place now in today's message I'm gonna um, I'm gonna just talk a little bit about the dangers you know of of having correction in a wrong way and then we're gonna bring correction in a certain area you know, and then you're going to feel how it feels to be corrected. Uh, and when you feel that correction, you'll feel two things. The first thing you'll feel, you'll feel, oh my goodness, I've been wrong, you know, in, in one area of my life and I don't want to be wrong and that's not nice. Um, and, and then you will feel, there will also be an emotion that says, oh my goodness, you know, I've, I've worked for nothing to a certain degree and I, for no reason, actually lived in guilt and if you're a preacher uh, you might even feel but I've taught people wrongly. You might have taught your children wrongly but you'll also feel with that the emotion of being loved and cared for. So let us not forget that correction is correction as unto children. So it's not correction as unto slaves or as unto foreigners or as, uh, as unto strangers. It's not a correction where the police comes and corrects you. Whenever God comes and He corrects you, uh, he, he, He corrects from the perspective of sonship. So let's not forget the exhortation as of sons. And the fact that you are being corrected means that you are His son. That is what the verse actually says. Now the reason why I talk about this correction today is because we're going to get into um, Ephesians chapter 5 next Sunday. I wanted to get into it this Sunday, but it's just going to be too much for the Sunday. Next Sunday we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 5. And let's just read the first couple of verses and you'll see how complicated Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 to 5 actually is. And you will understand why we have to lay the foundation on what godly correction actually is otherwise we will not understand Ephesians chapter 5 and when we read some of the things that uh, is written by the Apostle Paul we might feel that we're not children of God anymore we might feel that oh my goodness God has, God, has, God has rejected me or I'm now losing my salvation because I've got this wrong thing in my life so when it comes to correction know that you are still his child and you um, know that you are loved by him so Ephesians 5 verse 1 onwards is it's, it's difficult to understand and you can easily feel rejected when you read that and you can think God is angry now let me look at some of the verses in Ephesians there um oh, sorry that is the wrong one this is it Ephesians chapter um five sorry Ephesians 5 and we're gonna just go to verse 1 It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, do this, oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. 5 verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Then it goes on, it says, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness let it not be named among you as become saints, neither um, filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which means dirty jokes, which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous person, means just love of money, who is an um, idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god let no man deceive you with these vain words because of these things comes the wrath of god upon the children of disobedience you know (laughs) that is really something you know if you look at those verses it can condemn your heart it can feel oh my goodness you know i'm not gonna if i if i do any of these wrong things if i have any of these sins in my life. It means that I'm not a partaker of the kingdom of God and I'm going to go to hell. I'm not a child of God. So a person can come here and God can, or the apostle Paul can come and correct him here and in that correction he can feel, oh my goodness, I don't belong to God. I'm not a partaker of the kingdom of God and all those kind of things and feel so rejected that he is not receiving the exhortation as the exhortation of children. So no, that, that, that way of exhorting can never um, be accepted in the church. So when we're going to look at Ephesians 5 next Sunday, we're going to look at it from the foundation of godly exhortation, godly comfort, and godly correction. Now what is the greatest thing that, oh, let me first touch on this. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that no uh, uh, correction is ba- basically pleasurable. Why is it not pleasurable and what was the context of Hebrews? The context of Hebrews where it talks about correction that's not pleasurable is very simple. It was when the Jews were corrected um, in what they believed. They believed that they were the people of God um, based on ethnicity. They believed that they were the people of God because of human flesh. They believed that they had the only way unto God called the law. They believed that God was only their God and, and not actually the God of other people. Or, or let me put it this way, they believed that God would rule over all nations, but that they were God's special people and nobody else. And now, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, which I believe was the Apostle Paul, would come and um, correct them and say, Listen, man, you are not special because of your flesh. And correct them and say that this whole system that you believe in, it has all passed away. And your belief is wrong. Um, And you know, you don't have to follow after all these customs of Moses. Imagine somebody whose child was stoned two weeks earlier on account of fornication or adultery. And now the Apostle Paul comes and preaches, you know, all these things have passed away. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't you think that would hurt the heart? you know, but even these guys that were living in this, le- this legalism and went back to Judaism, Paul comes and he tells them, I don't want you to fall away. The reason why it is still on my heart to write to you is because you are the children of God. And now repent of your legalism, repent of the death that you live in, and have the life that God has always planned for you. Now, the only correction that is lost in correction, is the correction of belief. It's the correction of what you believe. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Now, if the just shall have life by faith, how will we have death? We will have death by unbelief, or not believing the right thing. And like I have got children and and uh, even with, with my wife, with Elena and I, we would correct each other. And I remember, you know, in the beginning when we just got married or when I just got children, th- the correction would be on your works. You've done this thing wrong. You should do this thing. But now that as we mature and as we start to understand the gospel better, we are not there to just correct actions. We look at each other and we ask the question, what does this person, what does the other person actually believe that this thing or this fruit comes forth in his life? And that's why the Bible says that God judges the thought and the intent of the heart. So when God looks at a man, he looks at what do you believe? For God knows that from the heart flows the issues or the forces that drives your life. So when God comes and he corrects you, he would come, even if you've got a wrong action, he would correct your belief. And so will your action be corrected then by the power of the new belief or actually the power of him, his resurrection power. Because by faith, we have got access into the grace of God, which is the ability of God to bring forth life in you. It is the divine influence that there is inside the Trinity. So when God comes and he brings forth correction, he will correct what we believe. And he looks at what you believe. That's what he look at. That's why what, that's what even said to the people, you know, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So even in my own life, when I see things in my life that, um, that brings pain to me, that brings discomfort to me, Uh, when I look at things that hurt me, then I say, Lord, when I look at these things and I look at uh, discouragement or I look at uh, uh, hard times or, or whatever, there's something that I believe that causes these emotions. And then I say, Lord, I'm open for you to correct my belief. Let me believe what you believe. Because when we believe what God believes, then we've entered into the realm of the spirit we've entered into the dynamics of the trinity we've entered into God the very core of God is what God believes and the very core of who and what you are is what God believes about who and what you are I want uh, I want us to go and look at this dynamic in Habakkuk um, it's Habakkuk uh, 2 verse 4 Back 2 verse 4. Let's just go there quickly. It says here in the King James, Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So the just, who is the just? Now I believe the just can mean different things here. Uh, To me it means and in my book, Born from Innocence, I've said the just is the people that are forgiven by the sacrifice of Christ, which is us, So, that, which is all people. So Jesus Christ came, and, and please don't think that I'm, so, I'm, I'm a universalist in saying this. And in my book, I clearly explain what I mean by all people being the just. And my definition of just here is those whose sins has been paid for, and that is all people. If your sins has been paid for, doesn't mean you will have life. These just people will have life by faith. So God came and brought justice and righteousness as a free gift for every person. And every person that this free gift came to, that can believe and have God's persuasion, will have that life. You might say, no, but Bertie, you know, faith is, um, you know, it's it's all about, you know, just our, um, you know, just our faith. You know, that we must have the faith. Now let me just say something about faith here. Faith is twofold. With one, or let me put it this way, faith has only got one origin, and that is God. So when I have faith, and without faith in my heart, it's impossible for me to have access into grace. It doesn't matter what God believes. I need to be persuaded of what God is persuaded of. But unless my persuasion, doesn't matter what I'm persuaded of, is in line with His persuasion, I will not find the power of His persuasion bringing forth life in me. I will not find my emotions born from God. I will not find my life born from God. I will not find the way I look at people, the way I look at my my wife, my children, or anybody like that, born from God unless I can believe what God believes. Now let's just look at another translation of this passage here. In Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Um, I'm going to use the, uh, this Apostolic Bible uh, polyglot. It says here, if he keeps back, favors not my soul in him, but the just one by my belief shall live. Now if you download this on Esau, this is what, what you can look at. The, the, the nice thing about this little red number there. That red number shows you in what order to read the sentence. So this is literally just as it's written in the the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament of the Bible, which the Apostle Paul read himself. It says, if he keeps back, my soul favors not in him. In other words, if a person falls back from that which God wants for him, then it can mean one or two things. Then God. God's soul doesn't want that it brings sadness to the heart of God or it means that the soul of God the mind, the will and the emotion of God doesn't is not a favorite in this person's life now listen to this but the just one shall, shall live by my belief now this is what God says he says the just one shall live by my belief See The word belief there, um, there we can see it in Thia here, the word pistis there, and then the word that word over there, ego, which is um, I, me, or my. So, here God says that the just shall live by the belief that God has. Now, isn't that awesome? The just shall live by the belief that God has. So God knows the only way in which you could ever have life, the only way in which you could, He would ever correct you is by bringing correction to your belief. It would be absolutely outside of God's way of thinking to, cor- to only correct your action. For if He corrects your action b- without a correction of belief God has wasted his time and I would actually say that he is partnering with satan to a certain degree because what he would say is correct actions would bring forth life by just living right you'll have life Um, and this is where the bible comes also and he says that Uh, You know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks and you'll give account for every idle word that you say. How can you that are evil say good things? Uh, You know, because out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus comes and he says, how can you guys that are evil in your heart say good things? You want to come and speak good things here and say all these wonderful things, but your heart is wrong. The way you believe about yourself, the way you believe about people is all wrong, and I want to correct what you believe. And we're going to look at one of those corrections uh, today as pertaining to who is your neighbor. So we look at this and we say, God, you're going to correct our belief. Now, you need to realize that what you believe is the deepest part of you. And when correction comes to the deepest part of you, it can be uncomfortable Yet, it will always have the emotion of acceptance and freedom. This morning we've had a, a, a person in our church a, a preach. In our church, he shared a message which I'm going to just touch on today as well about our neighbor. You know, and um, <clears throat> he shared this with me last Sunday and I said, Man, this is awesome. Come and share it in our fellowship. And Elena and I said, You know, we stood there corrected um, by what this person said, but thank God for that correction. Because as you experience that correction, you feel just this burden fall off your shoulders. You just feel, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. And you, with it, with it, you feel the, um, uh, 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 the freedom, you know, and the empowerment to love others. Now, I could, you know, th- this correction that I've, you know, that this guy came and shared. His name is Johan. Uh, that he shared at our fellowship. When I was still in Bible school, somebody shared this with me. I completely forgot about it and didn't make use of it. And now the Lord is so kind to come and share it again. Now, I could have stood there and said, you know, correction is not pleasurable. And, you know, I can just have this ego thing of saying, you know, me and myself and I, I'm the preacher that's been preaching grace for 20 years. How can one of the guys that got the grace message through me basically and now teach me, I'm the teacher here. Uh, you know and and then actually not feel as if I'm a son anymore not feel as if I'm precious anymore in the presence of that correction no because I'm precious because my wife's precious because the congregation is precious you know that correction can come so um, and I will I will share that with you uh, what what that correction is but let us just go first go to another verse where Paul quotes uh, Habakkuk there Um, and let's just go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Here it is. It says, let me just get an easier translation. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, okay I'm not ashamed of the gospel for therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed or manifested from faith to faith you see he uses two faiths here from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so he says here the just shall live by faith and that verse which he quotes which we've just read he says he says The righteousness of God is revealed or manifested where in us how from faith to faith from God's faith to our faith so in other words when we can believe what God believes we will live by the faith of God we will live by the faith of God the only belief that there is which is the correct belief is what God believes. Now, I want us to go to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to just bring forth this, this, this correction concerning your neighbor, which is an awesome, awesome message. So, for those of you that may be slotted in a bit late, let me just uh, um, summarize quickly. When it comes to correction, let me just summarize this. When it comes to correction, there's a danger in correction and we see that in Hebrews you can faint at the correction of God and fainting at the correction of God is when you feel rejected when you feel that God is against you when you feel you're not his child anymore when you feel that it's just you know um, you, you are corrected outside the parameters of sonship and that kind of a correction is dangerous and um, Whenever correction comes, it must come from the perspective of acceptance. You must always know, in correction, that you are a son of God. A son means a full co-owner of everything God possesses. That is, that is an exhortation that speaks as unto sons. And we need to understand that. You need to know and feel and have your heart established. Whenever you feel the Lord corrects you, um, you know or whenever you feel a preacher comes and brings correction, knowing that you are the child of God, you are still a co-owner with him and nothing has changed about who you are or God's view about you. Then we went on to say that when God comes to correct and if he just corrects actions, it's a waste of time for actions flows from uh, belief. Therefore God will correct the belief and then, In that way, correct the action, and that is what we're going to look at next week when we get into um, Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, now with that in mind, let's go into some correction. I'm going to read from Luke 10, verse 25. Luke 10, verse 25. Um, Let me just get there. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And let me just get to the uh, sorry the modern King James here. And answering, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and uh, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered right. Do this and you shall live. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, just listen to the question here. The question is, tempting Jesus. He asks from a law perspective. And he wants to actually get Jesus to, um, you know, he wants to uh, 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 trick him and catch him in his words on who is actually his neighbor. And he comes and says, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, so he wants to catch him there. Is he going to veer away from the law? What's he going to say? And then he says, uh, what does the law say? He says, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus says, well, do that, and you will live. Love the Lord your God with everything, and love your neighbor with everything, and you will live. And then he says, who is my neighbor? So he's asking, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus comes, he looks at the Old Testament verse there, interprets it into the truth of what it really means, and says to him, if you can do that, what's written there, you will have eternal life. And then he is still so in the flesh that he says, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus explains to him who his neighbor is, and then tells him, go and do that. And you will have life. And we're going to look at that right now. Um, let's read on. In verse 30. And answering Jesus said, A certain went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem to Jericho. I believe it talks about Adam and Eve. You know, that went from the place where God wanted them to live to Jericho. talks about a, a city of sin and fallen city where there's death. And they fell among robbers who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. It's exactly what happened to man. You know, he, he was half dead. His body was still alive, but the system by which he lived died. And by coincidence, a certain priest came down that way. And seeing him, he passed by on the, on the opposite side. And in the same way, a Levite also being at the place, coming and seeing him, he passed by on the other side. Uh, but a certain traveling Samaritan came upon him. A Samaritan had no dealings with the Jews, um, you know, a person that was that you would think is not qualified, and came upon him. And seeing him, he was uh, filled with pity. And coming near, he bound up his wounds, pouring out on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And going on that day, uh, sorry, and going on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, "Take care of him, and whatsoever is more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you." Then which of these? Listen to this question, Jesus. Then which of these three? This is now the Levite, you know, the priest, or the Good Samaritan, which of these three was neighbor to him who fell amongst the robbers? So who was the robber's neighbor? This is the question. The guy asks, he says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? He says, go and Love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. Then he says, who's my neighbor? Then he tells the story. He says, there's a guy. He fell on the road to Jericho. When he fell on the road to Jericho, he was left half dead. Then the Levite came past. He couldn't help him. Talks about the guy who enforces the law. The priest, you know, which also speaks of the Levitical priesthood, the law system again. He could not. He walked by the other side, didn't help him, couldn't save him from his situation, couldn't be good to him. Then a Samaritan came and had pity on him, gave him, uh, um, you know, the oil and the wine and whatever he needed, put him on his own animal, didn't tell him by his own effort to get to a safe place of comfort. He took him to the place of comfort, which, and then there said that I will give, I'll pay, two days wage, in other words, double pay, I'll pay, and if anything is needed for him to have perfection, I'll pay it when I return. And then he said, who do you think was the neighbor to the one that fell next to the road? Then they said that the good Samaritan was the neighbor to the robber. So who's, who's the neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is the one that's good to you. And in this parable, Uh, Jesus comes and he says to uh, the teacher of the law, he says to him, I am your neighbor. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, and you love me with all your life, you will have eternal life. That is what he was actually saying. The neighbor is the one that is good to the one who struggles. So, if I must love my neighbour, and then you will see in the in the verse there in study eight, and he says, um, and he said, he, says, he said basically to him, he says, go and do likewise. So if go and love your neighbour, so he, what he was saying to this teacher of the law, he says, go and love your neighbour if you want life. Who is the neighbour? The neighbour is Jesus. Jesus is our neighbour. And you know, when we hear this, this is the typical correction. You know, so now I can go and I can tell you and correct and bring correction as I was corrected. Saying, listen, man, when you look at a guy in the street, don't say that guy's my neighbor. Say Jesus is his neighbor. And Jesus is my neighbor. And Jesus has been good to him. And you'll find a passion in your heart rising up saying, I want to introduce this man to his neighbor, which is Christ. And by doing that, you are actually also becoming his neighbor. And then he can love you. So, if he says, if Jesus says to the man, go and do likewise, what is he saying? He's talking about how he how this person could receive life. Let's look at the whole parable again. And I'm going to end off with this, but let's look at the whole parable again. Here is a guy who fell the road he's dying he's in need of eternal life he wants life how will he have life the only way in which he can have life is if someone else is good to him and should he allow this person to be good to him in other words if he loves his neighbor if he allows this person to be his neighbor to be good to him. What will happen? He will go to the inn, he will not die, but he will live. He will be cared for. Why? Because he allows the one that wants to be good to him to be his neighbor. So in the very same way, I want to say to you let's get rid of this guilt and condemnation and looking at people that are beggars in the street and looking at people that maybe abuse money um, and people that don't live right and think you know you stupid fool why are you doing this Um, let us let us not live like that anymore but have the mindset that Jesus is that person's neighbor and the moment we see that, we find, oh my goodness, my heart is released from all this guilt and obligation, because every time we looked at that person, we felt, now this guy's actually not doing right, and now the Bible says, I must love my neighbor as myself, and I'm not getting it right, and how am I now going to give to him? I feel he's already wasting his money on alcohol, what must I now do? And then out of that guilt, you try to justify yourself, and you start to look at more of the guy's mistakes, and... And it's just this unending process of torture in your mind, you know, going on. So I want to tell you, don't judge. Now now I'm gonna now I'm gonna get to just an introduction of Ephesians 5. Let's not judge other people if they do right or wrong in the street that that maybe be a drunkard with the money. Let's not do that. How are we gonna get that right? Listen, Jesus is your neighbor. Where you are fallen next to the road. Where you maybe feel I'm in judgment towards someone else. Maybe you sit and you're bound in things that, that are destroying your life. I want to say this to you. It doesn't matter if you're bound there. There's a good Samaritan that stopped next to the road for you. And can you see him being good to you in the midst of all your judgment? In the midst of all your disqualification? In the midst of all your sin? If you can see that today, you will see him ministering the anointing and the wine, the new covenant, anointed by the Holy Spirit to you. He'll bring your emotions and your mind to a place, to the innkeeper, where you are comforted and cared for. And will be the job of the innkeeper to see that you are uh, 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 healthy, which is the Holy Spirit. And then, in the return of Christ, if anything was needed, he will even pay for that. He'll make sure that all your debt is paid. So know this for sure, you are deeply loved and cared for. Correction, when it comes, when it's biblical correction, coming from a biblical heart, it is always towards what we believe. So if I want to correct people, if I want to correct myself concerning judging others, I need to change what I believe concerning people. And what I, the only way I can change what I believe concerning people is by having different information about people, about myself, And that's why the Bible says, The just just shall live by my faith, God says. The just shall live by the faith of God. Glory to God. So when we can believe what God believes, we will have life. That's why God is in the correcting of the heart. The correcting of the belief system. That's where he is in. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? I just enjoyed this message so so much. Amen. Let's just pray. Father I want to thank you that we could just uh, pray for people now and that we could minister the message of your grace to people. Thank you for your great love and just your embrace that you have towards everybody. I thank you Lord that you just bring uh, great understanding to every person. I thank you Father that every person that is here will just have the the boldness to meet friends on, on the web and the boldness to just meet with people and, and, and share the gospel wherever they go because of the power of your message burning in their hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you, Lord, that as this week goes on and during this week, that they will be encouraged all the time by your Holy Spirit, that their minds will all the time be renewed about who they really are and who you are. Thank you, Father, for lovingly, Correcting us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, I want to encourage you if you've got any questions, uh, if you need need some fellowship, please use freedom. Go on to the chat here or onto the um, Facebook links on the different web pastors page, just link up with the guys, like the page um, on the, Dyna- the Dynamic Love, uh, you know, page, the Dynamic Web Church page on Facebook. Like that and let us sow fellowship together. You are precious. You are loved by God and thank you so much for everybody that just loves us. And oh, by the way, I, um, I'm reminded of that now. I saw some people started to make donations towards uh, the ministry, and t- towards the web church uh, via, the, via the internet. Thank you so much for that. I am really honored that you are willing to give towards uh, Dynamic Love Ministries, give towards me. Um, it's awesome to receive your, your support as well. Thank you, uh, friends. God bless you.